So do we get married or do we not get married? I mean, not you I and think me. We you and me. Did. <laughs> yeah, that ship sailed. But for people, is it better to get married or is it better to not get married? Mm, great question. So let's get into that. Before we jump into today's episode, we just wanted to share a few things with you. First, we'd like you to like this episode and then subscribe to our podcast. If you're doing that on YouTube, also hit the bell notification so that you know when we post anything new and then share this with somebody that you feel like would be this would be beneficial for. That's right. If you would like to support our show further, uh, we would welcome that. You are welcome to do that at anchor.fm slash marriage by design to check out your options for supporting the program financially. Otherwise, guys, the links to our social media are always in the description of every video, so feel free to check those out there. And now, let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. I'm Andrea Warnock. I'm Nathan Warnock. And you've joined us for Marriage Monday on the Marriage by Design podcast, and this is a time where we get to talk to you about God's design for marriage, what he says about that in the Bible, and how we live that out practically. That's right. So uh, here in season three, we've been going through some of the verses in the Bible that talk about marriage. And we started in Genesis and now we're making our way and we'll finish Matthew chapter 19, the first uh, portion of it tonight. And really what our hope is, is to just get back to the basics on what the Bible says about marriage. Uh, Because I mean, our, our channel is called Marriage by Design. So we probably should sort out and set clear in our minds and in our hearts what exactly God's design for marriage was. So we started with Genesis, and we talked about God's creation of marriage. Now we're into Matthew, and we jumped way ahead to Matthew because Matthew chapter 19 is a really important section where Jesus talks about not just marriage, but he talks about divorce. And I think he's really clear on it, and we've talked about it over the last few weeks, so love for you to go back and take a look at those. But also, chapter uh, 19, verse 10, is what we're going to focus on today. And it introduces a concept that we find throughout Scripture a number of places, and we'll cover them sort of as we come across them. But it's this idea of singleness versus marriage, because... There's going to be confusion during Paul's time later on, and he addresses this in his epistles, and we're going to take a look at one of those passages tonight as kind of a, a, a side piece, and we'll, we'll look at it in more detail when we get there in our actual Marriage uh, Monday um, uh, coverage. But <clears throat> here, there's this whole conversation in Matthew 19 where Jesus really elevates the standard for marriage and his hatred of divorce. So, you know, again, the the Pharisees had come to Jesus with this test where marriage had really become, not unlike today, more about how to get out of it than how to live in it. Mm. And Jesus redefines the argument and says, no, no, no. From the beginning, marriage was designed to be between one man and one woman as a covenant relationship for the entirety of their lives. Period. Yep. So 
he goes through this discussion and this is where he says, you know, any man or woman that divorces their spouse but for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery and, of course, brings that person they've married into the act of adultery with them. So having heard all of this sort of elevation of marriage by Jesus, the disciples have this brilliant word to say in Mm -hmm. in verse 10. The disciples say to Jesus, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. The disciples, after listening to Jesus describe the importance of marriage and the sort of eternity of marriage on earth, I know that's a, that's a kind of an oxymoron, but the, 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 the permanency yeah. of marriage on earth, the disciples go, probably would be better to just not get married, which makes me think a number of them were probably married <laughs> because that's sort of that's sort of a thing where you don't say it occurs to me you don't say something like that unless you're married. And I that may sound like a slight on marriage, it's not. It's just how many couples do we talk to that are dating or engaged and they're like, "Of course we would get married. Yeah. We've been dating for years. We love each other. Everything's great. Love, love, love. Kiss, kiss, kiss." And then they get married and Satan turns up the heat because he hates marriage because of what marriage stands for. And now they go, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And so when the disciples say, man, Jesus, if this is the element, how much easier would it be to be married if you knew in the back of your mind, well, if she burns my soup, which was the example that brought Jesus into this situation in Matthew 19, if she burns my soup, I can just ditch her, which is less about the soup and more about the point, which is anything she does to displease you is now a divorceable offense. So there's not really any pressure in marriage because as soon as I don't want to be with her anymore, I'll just find any reason to divorce her. Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus completely flips that on its head. Right. And so the disciples go, man, well, if I have to make that kind of a commitment, wouldn't it be better better to just not get married? And Jesus' response to them I find interesting. He says, verse 11, But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it's given. And he uses this example in verse 12. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who's able to receive this receive it. This idea of being a eunuch, not to be graphic, but uh, a eunuch is someone who has been made um, to not uh, receive sexual pleasure. Um, And so there are a number of ways historically that this could be done. Feel free to look those up on your own. Be careful of your search engine because you can get down all sorts of crazy roads. But the primary ancient example was... Uh, a lot of kings and nobles would have a number of of women consorts, right? Wives or or concubines or whatever in what we have probably heard today called like a harem, right? Where you just, you have this palace or this area of the palace that is populated by these female consorts and you just order them up, you know, to you for whatever purpose, right? You need a specific looking woman for a type of dinner. You're in the mood for something specific that night or whatever. Um, Well, you had to have people to 
care for these women um, and make sure that they're looking appropriate and that they're doing all the things mm. you want them to right. do. Take care of well, obviously, you, you can't, if you're a jealous dude that's got all these women, you don't want other men doing that. Well, you're not going to have women do that either at this time in history. So they would take men and they would essentially castrate them make them a eunuch that's when when he talks about that there are eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by men this is the idea of what he's talking about and then those guys would care for these women because they no longer had a sexual drive um for that <clears throat> so uh the, the the three kind of categories jesus uses here are eunuchs who've been made so by birth we would recognize that as jesus would have as a result of sin right there's a for whatever some birth defect that prevents you from from yeah being able to, to make it procreate. clear not not like a parent sin or no yes or, yeah thank uh, you no a yeah, result like of a sinner. sinful world With the right? world we live in yeah, yeah thank you thank you for saying that because i i say this and i'm sure that would have come across wrong i don't believe god strikes people with you know erectile dysfunction or cancer or strikes your children because of some i mean as a result of the world having sin in it um which is how a lot of these birth defects and things happen because we were in a fallen world and um so he's talking about that in the first part and then eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by man we covered that but then this third category is interesting there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven and to go back, this is his response to the disciples saying, well, man, Lord, if if such is the case of a man and with his wife, it's better to not marry. And he says, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it's given. So what does that mean, babe, to, to you? What do you think about that? What, what does it mean to have that given to you? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that that's uh, people who believe that the Lord has called them to a life of singleness. Right? Right. <clears throat> and to a life of of making serving the Lord their their main focus, and um, so then choosing to take away your sexual desire physically allows that focus to really be honed in, and you're not you know distracted by your own fleshly desires. Yeah, I want to tie this into. I think you're. I think that's right. I, I want to tie this into first a passage in First Corinthians seven, and Paul's addressing marriage issues with the church in Corinth, and they're saying because because remember when Jesus came down to earth, or, or when Jesus died, was resurrected, and and as he's ascending into heaven, and really all throughout his ministry, he's telling his disciples the kingdom of God is at hand. Right, I mean, the, 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 this is it. This is the end. And if you look back at Daniel and his vision that he had in the book of Daniel of the seventy weeks, and and if you math that out and look at how that lined up, it lines up to when Jesus ascended back into heaven. So we've reached the end of all that is required for the story of humanity to be finished, save the second return of Christ right. and the end revelation. So yeah, since Jesus resurrection, we're in the end times. Right. Basically. So, uh, and why does he not come back tonight? Uh, maybe he will, but, uh, <laughs> why has he not so far? Well, that we're in this sort of, um, 
final stage where Jesus is just gathering as many as he can to himself himself Mm -hmm. before he returns. And sometime maybe it'll be worth talking about kind of that 70 week period to make that make a little bit more sense because I think it matters for purposes of how we think about our marriages and raising our kids and those kinds of things that we talk about here. But, um, but anyway, the point is the, the church in Corinth was going, well, man, if we're in the end times, then should we be having kids? Should we be getting married? If I am currently married, should I be getting divorced from my wife so that we can really go all in on just serving the Lord? And Paul essentially is going to, not essentially, he's going to say, look, stay as you are, right? If you're married, stay married. If you're single, stay single. But he says this about marriage that I find really interesting. It's in chap- 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 27. It says, are you bound to a wife? Are you married? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Are you single? Do not seek a wife. But... If you do marry, you've not sinned, and if a betrothed woman, an engaged woman, marries, she's not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, Mm. and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, uh, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. And he goes on to talk, and we'll get around to this on this channel at some point, but he goes on to talk about the reality of the matter is the single person is free to be laser-focused on just one thing. What? The Lord. Serving the Lord. Right. Uh, And that's a beautiful thing. But he's also going to come back and go, but if you have these urgings to get married, and I think we all know what those urgings are, and I don't only mean sex, although I, I do mean sex, Paul says, you know, it would be better for you to be married than to live a life of lust. Um, but the reality of the matter is, and those of us who've gotten married know it, when you get married, you will have trouble. Hmm. It's not just all bliss all the time for yes, married is. couples. Yes, right. Well, for it's other, we've heard time. about other couples that it's not. But uh, <laughs> um, that's, that's kind of, again, the point Jesus is making. And, and Paul says it. It's not wrong to marry. It's not wrong to remain single. In fact, Jesus suggests, and Paul will also suggest, that it's a position of privilege to be called to the single life. Mm-hmm. To be able to um, control yourself from a lust standpoint. To be able to remain focused on the Lord the entirety of your lives. That's that's actually a calling of privilege for those who are able to do it well. Um, and, you know, we've kind of lost that a little bit, right? I mean, I'm sure we all know those friends that, for whatever reason, have uh, remained single and 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 maybe hate it or really feel like everyone looks around them and goes, well, what the heck's wrong with you that you're still mm. single? And the reality of the matter is the Lord calls that to some 
people as he sees fit, and that's really above our pay grade to be judgmental um, on those things. And in fact, at the end of the day, that calling is a calling of privilege um, because all these worldly troubles that couples other than Andrea and I have in their marriage, um, those would be avoided uh, if you weren't married. Now, of course, Jesus doesn't give that calling on everyone, and I know that because... Well, there wouldn't be any humans if everyone was called to this single life. So there is a reality in that God made us to desire intimate relationship with each other. And we've talked about reasons for that. I mean, it goes all the way back to Genesis 2 and 3. But uh, at the end of the day, that calling of singleness is a beautiful thing as well. And the disciples recognize there's a practical thing to that that ties into what Paul says, which is, uh, when, when you marry, you will have have trouble. trouble. Mm -hmm. So when you have troubles within your marriage, take hope. That's not new. It's not that you and your spouse just don't, aren't doing it right. Uh, it's that, uh, even Paul said, if you marry, you will have trouble. The question is, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to allow it to take our eyes off of the Lord and put them on our spouse? Or are we going to allow those troubles to put our eyes on the Lord and trust him to redeem those troubles and, and bring yeah, us so, together. So how do we put our eyes on the Lord during trouble? Um, or, or vice versa. So what's, what's the, what does that look like? Uh, well, uh, for one thing, we have to put our eyes on the Lord we have to train ourselves to put our eyes on the Lord before trouble. Mm. I mean, so often if we wait until we get into trouble in our marriage, we're really behind. We're right. really behind in right. preparing ourselves for that. And, and and really a big part of it is that when we keep our eyes on the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to work on us in the good times, we're already trained to do that in the bad times. Um, because so often our temptation when there's difficult times in our marriage is to start finger pointing at the other person or as Adam did start finger pointing at God Mm -hmm. uh, because God, why did you, why didn't you tell me it was going to be like this before I chose to Hmm. marry this person? Um, And instead what we ought be doing is on our knees before the Lord going, Lord, in this season of our marriage, what can I do to, love this woman in a way that's glorifying to you. Because honestly, what I'd like to do is poop on her pillow or whatever (laughs) it is that you would want to do. Amber turd. Yep. Uh, But you know, that you got, you have to start that ahead of time. Also, we have to choose to do the difficult thing in marriage. This is something that's been a part of our testimony. We were just talking about this. um, You and I, because so many couples are not trained in choosing difficult conversations, choosing difficult decisions. And it doesn't feel great when you have to sit down with someone and go, Hey, you know what? Got to make a difficult decision here. Um, because the decision you're currently making is not God honoring. So you got to choose to pursue your spouse when you don't want to, you got to choose to burn the bridges with every other potential opportunity of, of companionship in, in your life. You got to choose that. And well, I don't, but she doesn't, no, 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 no. It's not about her. Right. It's about your submission to the Lord. Right. That's, that's where, and this is really the heartbeat behind this channel. So thanks for setting me up with a softball to plug our channel. Uh, really 
one of our points behind this channel was to help people understand what does submission to God look like in the area of marriage? So many people don't even know what marriage is. Yeah. Man, if I had a dollar for every time you and I have heard couples, Christian couples, sit in our living room and go, I just thought God would want me to be happy. Oh, man. He, he, it's not that he wants you to be the opposite of happy. It's just it's that that's that not the main focus. Happiness is fickle. And the only person we can really trust to know what will make us happy is God. And he wrote it down. Like, we don't have to wonder that. You know, so many people, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know which of these is going to make me, you know, happy. Well, first of all, if you let that drive you, you're driving the car in the ditch immediately. Right, because that'll make you happy for a time, and then right. it won't, and then what do you do? That's right. The only one who can really know what will bring godly joy spirit-filled joy into your life is God. And he didn't leave us guessing, right? We don't have to wonder about, well, does he want me to pursue my wife or does he, does he, do I need to sacrifice or should she be getting on board with what I'm doing? Why isn't she submitting to me? You know, we don't have to ask all these questions. God wrote it down for us. But so many of us now have Bibles sitting around our homes that aren't being cracked open, even as Christians. And then we complicate things by getting in a relationship where Paul said, hey, that marriage thing, <clears throat> that is expert level Christianity. <laughs> so uh, you take the 100 level Christian class, then the 200, the 400 level Christian class, that's when you get married. Because if you don't know the one, two, and three hundred levels, you're you just you don't even have a chance, um, because uh, we, unless you're willing to learn on the fly, and that's really what we're hoping to do with our channel is help people understand whatever level you're at one, two, three hundred, four hundred, whatever to really point out, man, this was God's plan for one salvation, two submission to him, three submission to him in marriage, four submission to him in yeah. parenting. Yeah. If I could juxtapose, you know, like our readiness in relation in, in how we, how we were as believers at the time that we got married, we were in the 100 level classes, I would say. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we haven't even entered yeah, we the class. Yeah, we were GED <laughs> status. And juxtapose that against um, one of your brothers and his, a couple of your brothers and their wives and the, and how where they were at in their walks with the Lord oh, and, and in their understanding of marriage yes. and their the way they prepared, yeah. not just checked a list prepared, but really considered what they were doing and um, talked about that and, and really made it serious, this commitment of marriage and, and what is it that I'm really getting into and do right. I really understand that and right. all that sort of thing. So if I could, if I could put those against each other, I mean, there are our experience is so vastly different than a couple of his brothers and not in a good way. Yeah. I mean, you mean ours was way worse. Our, right. Yeah. Um, right. Because they, prepared. they were prepared right. and probably when they hit some hard times or bumps in the road, they weren't 
flailing around and not knowing what to do and making the wrong decisions in those and and really making the wrong decisions that led to those all that sort of thing right um they're they have been able to really be more honoring with their marriage right um as opposed to where we were at and we just we got off in the ditches and craziness total craziness and so you know, I look at those and you can just see such a difference right. in the in the course of marriage right um, between those two and it's it's definitely a better route to really be at those, those 400 level classes really yeah. know what you're what you're getting into as much as you possibly can really have those conversations with the Lord is this what you're calling me to and and how do I prepare myself well and all that right totally so that's right Anyway, it makes a huge difference. Huge. Right. All right. Any final words, baby? No. Okay. Hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you're enjoying us going kind of through some of these verses in the Bible that talk about marriage. We've spent, shoot, I don't know, we probably spent five or six or seven episodes on Matthew 19, but it's really important. I hope it helped y'all to understand a little bit better what Jesus was saying about marriage uh, when he referred back to it and, and what God meant when he was doing there. If you have comments, love to have you leave them in the comments section below if you're on YouTube. Otherwise, pop over to Facebook and leave those comments there. Always welcome to uh, to shoot us a message at marriagebydesignpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Thanksgiving this week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Because of Thanksgiving, we will not have a Family Friday episode this week, but we will be back at you next Monday with more Marriage Monday content and a Family Friday uh, next Friday as well. Yep. And maybe we can talk about, maybe we should talk about uh, All Day Video Game Day because that is a, that's a thing <laughs> in the life of the Warnocks. We're talking about it now? No, 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 no. Oh, For a fa- on a Family, a family Friday. Friday. And why we do that. Yeah. Well. That might be interesting because i'm sure most people that follow our channel would be surprised to know that's a thing so uh until then guys thanksgiving's a really important uh holiday i think i believe it's one that honors the lord it's important in our american family american history um and i hope that all of you enjoy that time with family with friends uh with your spouse and spend some time loving on them as well and remember god is for your marriage happy thanksgiving